What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode here during the James Bond week leading up to No Time to Die, which I'm very excited about. Continuing through the series of Daniel Craig here with Spectre. Man, I, I'm excited to talk about this film. So let's just jump into it. If you're new here to The Basement Binge, thanks for being here. I appreciate it. I'm glad you found it. This is a non-typical episode, just with the amount of episodes I released in such a more short amount of time. Wasn't able to do all the segments that I normally do. If you're returning, thanks also for being here. Let's jump in with Two Cents. So Two Cents is a spoiler-free reaction Thoughts about the film, completely spoiler-free. And it's interesting to talk about this film because how in the world do you follow up Skyfall? Yeah, especially with Sam Mendes directing both. How do you do that? How are you supposed to do that? And he succeeds, Sam Mendes succeeds by not trying to replicate Skyfall, especially without the assistance of Roger Deakins. But what you for sure would want to do and what he does is continue with the best parts of this entire series, giving depth and emotional conflicts to Bond, not just some villain's base to explode. I mean, those things are there too, but you also get Bond continuing to get more and more out of this hole he was in at the start of Skyfall and the progress of how he got there and then how he gets out and this continuing that. I mean, last episode, I really praised the film Skyfall for how it was a story of James coming back from all that loss. And we see that even more here, not so much the loss, but him coming back more and, and being better because of it. He's no longer just a skilled man paid for violence, but someone who actually cares about right and wrong to a higher extent than he did before and also cares for individuals. And the struggle of the film is him trying to do that while also being a double O agent and the complexity there. Sam Smith's opening song, Writings on the Wall describes the film perfectly, not in lyric, but in performance. It, it, I made a bold claim uh, last episode that Adele had the best song with Skyfall, but that was before I saw Spectre and No Time to Die, and now there's some serious competition in both of those films. But particularly here with Spectre and Sam Smith's songs, it, it, it doesn't portray the film in lyrics. It definitely does. I mean, that's the whole point, but the emotion of it. So the film did deliver in the hope that I had of continuing that story of Bond. Now, outside of that, 
the film really surprised me. It, the film opens with this fantastic wonder following Bond through the streets and into hotels during the Day of the Dead with people in costume and tons of extras. Just incredibly impressive cinematography, which I was enjoying, but I also immediately noticed the lack of Roger Deakins with the use of lighting. Um, nonetheless, I love the camera work. It's just, it's impossible to compete with Roger Deakins. But other things here that I've praised, the action here is still smooth, still edited really well. But the action also feels so new. There's a freshness to it. We get car chases and fist fights. It, it feels a bit different than normal. We get back to the globe trotting that was kind of absent in Skyfall. And there's more of this film that feels more like a Bond film, where Skyfall I talked about was an anti-Bond Bond film. This is really a Bond film uh, in, in all the best ways. We get Christopher Waltz as a fantastic villain. Uh, Daniel Craig's run as James Bond has just had the best villains in completely different ways. Just continually being a conflict for Bond in unique ways every single time. And now we finally get to the creepy, brainy, you know, visionary, so to speak, type villain, even down to the white fluffy cat and interesting torture devices. Christoph Waltz plays Blofeld with perfection. His performance is terrifying. And I thought that Silva, I, I literally said the words in Skyfall, that Silva was the bondiest Bond villain. And he was, but Blofeld really is. He, he the, the lines, the motivation, the, the fear that he puts in me, it really, a very Bondy villain. It, it, he does actually have a white fluffy cat that he pets, so that is there. But it also doesn't feel dated. The threat that the villain has is a very modern and very real threat and allows this type of villain to be someone who could actually exist in the world. And then also the film really excels in the way that because we are so far along in this series, we feel camaraderie between the other characters here and James, M, Q, and Moneypenny all really feel like a team and like a unit who knows how to work together despite their you know, distaste for one another in certain ways. And they're great to enjoy on screen together. Beyond those things, it's hard to say more about the film without spoilers. But it, this is what I'll say. I'll kind of give my reaction to it if I just had to say it simply. I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. By no means is it perfect. It's, it's not trying to be Skyfall, and it can't be. But the way that it continues that story of Bond is what I've been enjoying about this series the most, and this film does it really well. While also having the other things that we expect in a Bond movie performed and created at a proficient level that it is just enjoyable to watch. You know, we could, we could pick it apart and complain, but I wasn't really worried about that when I was watching it. I was enjoying it. So to get more into that, we've got to get into the spoilers. So let's just keep moving along here. Like I've mentioned, celebrating the two-year anniversary of The Basement Binge, so leave those reviews on Podchaser. Follow me and share, uh, follow me in social media and share those accounts by sharing it or leaving reviews on Podchaser up until October 15th that you're entered into that giveaway I've been mentioning. So description for those links that you need. On to the next segment here, Pick Your Poison. This is the rating scale here at The Basement Binge where I rate the film not with a percentage or a star rating, but with how I would interact with the film after watching it. Would I never watch it again? Self-explanatory. Would I stream it? Meaning it's on a service I'm already paying for and I'm just looking for something to watch and it's there ready to watch. Above that is rent it. In the right circumstance, be willing to pay a few dollars to watch it. And above that is to buy it. Watch it as many times as you want. 
So the film I already own, I mentioned how I bought the Daniel Craig bundle specifically for the podcast and for Skyfall. But with Spectre, this genuinely would be a buy if I had just watched this, you know, if I had rented it or somehow picked it up in some other way for the podcast, I would buy it. I think it's a great follow-up to the emotional journey of Skyfall and fits perfectly with the entire growth that Bond has been on for this whole series. And for that reason, I really enjoy it. On top of that, the action is proficient. I would definitely watch this over Quantum of Solace. It's a film that I enjoyed watching. It wasn't like, oh, I just got to get through this for the story. I was enjoying the story and I was getting through it for the story. But I was also enjoying all the other parts about it. So I definitely am going to watch this film again. And it's not one of those like, oh my gosh, I got to buy that as soon as I can so I can watch it every year or something like that. Uh, It wouldn't be the the top of my wish list, but it would be a film that I would want to own eventually because I know I will revisit it. But that's my poison and I've picked it. So let's move on to the next segment here, Elise and Likes. These Jane Bonds episodes are quick and that's on purpose because these are a lot of episodes in a short amount of time. So Elise and Likes, least favorite scene, favorite scene. Least favorite scene, why in the world does Blofeld's torture device do absolutely nothing to Bond? I I don't remember, but he mentioned something about how it was going to mess up like his eyesight, mess up his ability to remember people, mess up his ability to like his equilibrium and to be able to walk and his orientation and those types of things. And then he breaks out of the thing and and is like just fine. Continues to, to shoot down people, no problem. And so it was an intense torture scene that oh my gosh, makes your stomach churn, but like, it didn't do anything? Yeah, it, I don't know. Just don't get it. So that's my least favorite scene. Let's move on to my favorite scene here. This was hard to pick my favorite. So I'm going to just describe a few and then go from there because that's the way it works. I'm in charge here. Primarily, my favorite is everything between Bond and Madeline, especially when he's trying to find her in three minutes. Right, kind of that final uh, action set piece of the film. We get Chekhov's net, which I love the way it was used. Uh, shooting down the helicopter with a pistol from a boat. Just the way that thing and it progresses of Bond uh, chasing after Blofeld and and leading up to that helicopter uh, chase on the boat. I mean, that's silly to say that he found someone in three minutes, landed on a net, got on a boat, and then shot down a helicopter from the boat with a pistol. Like, if you say that out loud. Why does that work? I don't know. It worked, and it worked well enough that I, I loved um, that scene. But also, there's other things that I want to mention, like the car chase in a plane on that snow mountain. That was just fantastic. Love that. Just great Bond action. And then I love that Madeline doesn't just immediately rush into Bond's arms. Like She is not your typical Bond woman, and I really like it. But also the entire first half of the film is just fantastic. We get a great intro to a new villain who is two steps ahead and is scary. And then we get a fantastic car chase with someone who we really don't understand. What is this organization? And it's, it's threatening. We, so we have this car chase and then Bond gracefully parachutes after launching himself from a car, right? So he's in a car chase, launches the car into the river, but then ejects himself through the roof and then gracefully lands with a parachute with like the ultimate class saying good evening to some random bloke on the street. Like, what the heck? I loved that scene. And then we move on to get a really personal and caring Bond who has a personal interest in things while still being tough enough to beat up a security guard and then to point at the other one and say stay as he makes his escape. Like those 
upon caring for an individual and, and keeping a promise to someone to protect his daughter is the same individual who points out a security guard and says, stay, and the security guard obeys him. And then it moves on to a, a fight with Dave Batista, which is just, just brutal. There's absolutely no score to cover up the fight at all, and Bond just gets wrecked by him. That was a tense fight. Incredibly well done, especially because right as I was working on this episode, I'd seen a news article in my feed that mentioned in an interview how, how Daniel Craig had said he accidentally broke Dave Bautista's nose. So I was not expecting Bond to just get destroyed, uh, but he was. Fantastic scene. So those are, I, I have another scene, but I'm going to save it for the next segment, Live Up. So it, it's hard to pick between those things because there's not really a moment like, oh my gosh, this scene is just fantastic. You know, this is the favorite. It's more like bits and pieces here and there. They're kind of spread out through the film. It's like, oh yeah, that was really good. Um, but I had to really think about it. Oh, is, is this my favorite? So I guess the, the, all of them combined are my favorite. I don't know. Let's move on to the next segment. Live up here. So this is the last segment of the shorter James Bond episodes. But this is where I talk about my expectations for the film. I hadn't seen any of these films except Skyfall before. So talk about my expectations and if the film was able to live up to them. I'm not really sure where I got the low expectations for Spectre from. Nowhere near as low as Quantum of Solace, not even though those were that low, but I just wasn't expecting it to be very good. I just kind of expected mediocrity, and then it really delivered. It surprised me. It, no, By no means is it near Skyfall, and it's a little bit less than Casino Royale, but it's also not trying to be either of them. The relationship between Madeline and Bond develops really well throughout the film, and gives him a challenge of a villain he really can't be on his own. It requires Bond to accept the need for a team. And you get a truly caring Bond, caring for an individual. I ended the Skyfall episode saying I hoped Spectre continues the emotional journey of James out of his soulless darkness he's been trapped in, and it does that perfectly. There are parts of the film that we could talk about how they don't work. The plot is a little bit convenient in times and people just show up randomly when they need to be there. The villain comes completely out of nowhere. A bond is extremely unstoppable. The film entirely is just a little bit bloated. But for me, the story of Bond developing as an individual has been the highlight of this entire series. That even when I was watching Quantum of Solace, which had a lot of problems, I was able to enjoy the good part of it because it was continuing that journey for Bond. And this continues even further while also being surrounded by a proficiently created movie. And so it works. I mean, there's just this fantastic scene to focus more on this, this emotion and the story that I've really been talking about where Bond just yells and the performance of Daniel Craig, I just loved in that moment, for uh, Blofeld to turn off the video of Mr. White and his death. And you know why. And then he moves on to get Madeline to look at him instead of the video. And it's just a fantastic scene there between the two of them. Bond isn't worried about disarming his opponent by complaining about wasted scotch. He is caring for someone he has learned to love. And that takes priority for him over, you know, taking down Blofeld. And it's interesting to see Bond be this way. That's, you know, you don't expect him to, to lash out in emotion that much. Normally you see him rash out in you know, a punch or something and not so much an emotion. And I enjoyed it. Skyfall may have been the technical merits of Bond at its best as a genre, but this is Bond the individual at his best. And it really works in the film for me. And especially with Blofeld. He's such an antithesis to Bond. He is not a brawler. 
He hasn't really been hurt by others. He's the one doing the hurting. He hasn't really learned to care, but he also hasn't really learned to not care. He's, he just is a man behind the screen controlling and manipulating people with his mind and his vision as twisted as it is, and you don't really understand why it's twisted. Like, this is just a creepy dude, and he's unseen until you, he wants you to see him, and he's terrifying. I mean, the guy gets blown up by a watch, and then Bond blows up his entire facility, and then he looks Bond dead in the eye with a giant scar down his face and says to him, I've really put you through it, haven't I? And the way Christoph Waltz delivers it, way better than I just did. But the, the level of coldness in the individual to say that is terrifying, almost like he enjoys in this torture of others that you can't really understand. What is this guy all about? And while that is also a weak point of the film, it's also kind of a strength of the film that this guy doesn't make any sense, but he's terrifying. He's got a lot of power. It makes him an intense obstacle to overcome. And then we have really the best part of the film, Madeline herself, the one who truly breaks down James's armor, but not with her beauty or with her wit or anything like that, but with her empathy and with her emotional intelligence, asking him questions no one else would and accepting the true answers to them and expecting the true answer. She's the person who truly understands him and she makes Bond better. The film ends with him taking her advice and choosing. She says, I believe we always have a choice and he chooses while also getting in a fantastic line for a Bond film. I'm all out of bullets and besides, I've got something better to do. Like, just a fantastic line all around and what it means for the individual of Bond. Not just what it means in an action scene, but what it means for this individual who's involved in the action scene. I'm just really, really impressed with the emotions that this this film had. Now, I'm also really leaning into that because I literally finished watching this movie five minutes before I had to leave for my showtime for No Time to Die. So. It's hard for me to distinguish between things between those two films. Like, I can clearly remember things in No Time to Die. Uh, I'm having a hard time remembering things happen in Spectre. And then when I'm, it is, I'm like, wait, was that in No Time to Die? I don't remember. Um, so my brain's all mixed up. But one thing that I really, really did remember from Spectre is that journey that Bond has with Madeline. And, and Spectre ultimately is elevated by the two films it's sandwiched between. I think this episode would be really different if I didn't if I hadn't seen No Time to Die yet, especially if I would have had time after the film to, you know, kind of get my thoughts out. But this film is, is the follow-up to Skyfall, follow-up to Bond coming back and allowing himself to care and now having someone to truly care about so personally. And then that is the lead-up to No Time to Die and the new challenges that that brings. This necessary bridge between those two places, which, spoiler, I loved No Time to Die, is a, a bridge that I willingly and enjoyably cross over, and I know I will again. The, the story altogether of an orphan boy grown to be an assassin, breaking down his layers and learning what it really is all about, overcoming his demons and being better by it. But to get the whole story, you're, you're going to need to watch No Time to Die, so go see that. And also check out the episode that's coming out tomorrow. So subscribe to The Basin Binge, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you're listening to this for that. I'm very excited about that episode because I, I enjoyed that film. But that's all I've got to say about Spectre. So, once again, this is The Basement Binge. My name is Harrison, and that's all for now. Ciao, ciao.